Hey, this is Brendan Gersall from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. Are you happy to be in church today? Come on, are you happy to be in church today? Come on, I know we're slap dab in the middle of summer, but man, you came to church today, so we might as well act like it. Come on, amen, amen. Thank you so much for being here. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Bradford, and uh, I am the youth guy here, and so I'm the one who handles the teenage years. <laughs> Lord have mercy, right? Those are the teenage years, and um, I'm a married man. I have a wife. We have a five-piece chicken McNugget meal. We got five kids, all before the age of 30. We are walking in obedience. Be fruitful and multiply as the Lord my God has said. And so we are here. And so we are just so privileged and thankful to be here. And of course, I want to thank and of course honor our lead pastor, Pastor Brent, who's not here today because obviously he's on vacation, but he allowed me, the chocolate brother, to preach on July 18th. So thank you, sir, for letting me preach today. So are you ready for the word today? Come on, are you ready for the word today? I need you to help a brother out today, all right? So if you have your Bibles, won't you turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And if you don't have it, it will be on the screen, of course. But Mark chapter 10, and it says this, is that people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Say indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you that anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms. So beautiful, eh? Jesus took the children into his arms and he placed his hands on them and he blessed them. For the next 30 minutes, I want to preach about being for the next generation. Being for the next generation in our role, in our call, in our responsibility to raise the next generation. Amen? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we love you, we thank you, we pray that you would speak to us, inspire us, challenge us, and help me, Jesus, to preach this word like I feel it today. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen, amen. I'm going to say a statement that I believe and, and that I adhere to, and I hope you believe this too, and it's this one statement that, that will really make a difference. I believe this with all my heart. Like, this is more than a job for me. This is what I believe to the core of my being. And is this statement is that kids matter, right? Kids matter, that they are important, they are valuable, that they matter. Now, I'm going to say one more statement that I believe might be a bit controversial, a bit divisive, but hey, it's... 2021, so of course everything's like, a, like offensive in 2021, is that kids matter more than adults. 
Now, before you scold me and before you lacerate me, it is true that I believe with all my heart, and I hope you would believe this too, is that kids matter more than adults. I mean, just even think about it. I mean, the moment you are born, your life ceases to matter, right? Like the minute a child is brought into the earth, the minute your life begins to just not matter, right? Like if you showed me your bank statement around the holidays, around like birthdays and, and Christmas time, it would show me that kids matter more than you. You know, I could preach the most profound sermon and I could prophesy a little and I could preach the word of God, but the moment you have a little girl up here that says, happy birthday, Jesus, I'm so glad it's Christmas. Like you are sobbing, you are crying, you just got saved again for the second time because there's something about it that just kids matter. Kids are important, but this idea that kids matter is not a, a, a matter of equality. It's a matter of priority. Kids matter. Kids matter to the heart of God. But it's one thing to actually know that they matter, right? It's, it's one thing to actually know that, but it's another thing to actually treat them like they matter. <laughs> Like for me, I have a two-year-old son who is up three, four times in the night. Does he matter at that moment? Do I I treat him like he, go to bed! (laughs) Or that moment when your son is like, daddy, 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 and the name just over and over, say, son, if you don't stop saying daddy, I'm gonna change my name. A name that you will never know. But it's one thing to actually know that they matter, but it's another thing to actually act and treat them like they matter. And here is our text today is that we see Jesus, the King of Kings, Lord of, I mean, prior to this, he's fed the 5,000. He has healed the mute and the deaf man. He has done so much wonders and miracles. And then you see Jesus in the nursery. Jesus, who raised people from the dead, and I mean, he declared that he is God. You see him handing out goldfish in juice boxes. Jesus, whom we know, who is the word, the word among, I mean, who dwelt among us in flesh, was the one who was doing some dances with kids and making faces with kids. And then the disciples began to scold the kids. They were telling little children, yo, children, back off of Jesus. Now, scholars would say that they have no idea why, but they were trying to protect Jesus, like maybe have a breather, maybe have a moment. And Jesus got indignant. I mean, angry, distressed. I mean, the only other time where we see Jesus express this type of emotion and aggression is his father's house, That my house shall be a a house of prayer and kids. (laughs) It says that he was indignant, he was furious, and he scolded them. And he was displeased that they would hinder the kids from actually coming to Jesus. Whether you believe it or not, 
we help or hinder kids. So if you want to make God happy and please God, help them get to Jesus. But if you want to displease God and make God indignant, get in their way of Jesus. Because we see at the heart of this is that Jesus knows and Jesus believes that kids matter. That, that at, the, like at the heart of it is that kids matter to God so much so that he said this like in Matthew 18. He says, he who welcomes this little child welcomes me. So he's saying how you treat this little kid, how you treat the next generation is a reflection of how you treat me. Kids matter to the heart of God, and the call is simple today. That I believe that, that in this current cultural moment, that God's heart is heavy for the next generation. And God is calling his church to be spiritual fathers and mothers and to help kids encounter Jesus. That's the call today, is that he's calling you and me as the older generation to help kids get to Jesus. And so how do we help kids encounter Jesus? How do we help the next generation get to Jesus? And one is this, is that we cover them. We cover them. God has called us as the older generation to cover our kids, to pray and to intercede and to cover them with the presence of prayer and to live our lives protecting them. That's the call. That is how we do. This is what Paul says in, uh, to a young Timothy. He said this, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day that I constantly remember you in my prayer. This is Paul talking to a guy who's 30 years old. He's not 16, he's not 12. This is a older generation talking to the younger generation, say, I'm gonna cover you, I'm gonna pray for you. I am constantly thinking of you and praying for you. There's this story of these two um, younger brothers and um, the younger brother had a frog farm, which is basically this kind of big mud pit full of frogs or whatever. And so the older brother was throwing darts at the, at the frog and like, all, like just messing with them. And the younger brother got filled with so much rage. He's like, no, no. And he jumped in front of the dart and the dart went right into his hand and he started bleeding, right? That's the picture is that the picture is that we cover our kids the same way a uh, mama chicken, which don't ask me how, how me, like an urban boy, knows this. But like, but like a mama chicken covers her hens from all types of, ja- of danger. And that's the call for us, that we are called to be the older generation that covers and prays for our kids. You know, like my wife... We were, uh, so our son, who's, uh, who's 12, 11, sorry, he was starting to play uh, f- uh, football this year. And so we were in practice and they're, you know, tackling each other and like just, you know, g- going at it. Then I looked over to my wife and she has the most gruntle face on her. I was like, babe. What is wrong with you? Are, like, they're just, like, are you okay? She's like, I don't like how they're hitting my son. I was like, babe, well, you don't have to look like you're about to punch a 12-year-old in the face. Like, relax. She's like, no. 
because I kind of want to. <laughs> I was like, babe, stop. And that's the cause that there, there is something that comes up like within us, a indignance, a anger, a frustration against the things that, that, that approaches our kids and approaches the next generation. What the next generation is experiencing right now is unprecedented. Like, it is unlike nothing that we have seen before. See, back in my day, see, that's how you know that you're old, when you say back in my day. See, back in my day, like, the issues was teen pregnancy. That was the big thing. But now it's anxiety and depression and suicide, and the enemy is coming after our kids, and he's taking their lives without our permission. What is going on? And, that, and we need to feel that urgency and feel that call to cover our kids and to pray for them because culture is coming after our kids. And they're not sorry about it. And so we got to raise kids that will go after culture. And so we got to cover them. We got to pray for them. We got to protect them and say, not in my house, not in my church, not at my kids. Devil, you cannot come up in here. And we got to stir up some little bit of attitude and say, don't you come near my home. Don't you come near my kids. Don't you come near that school. Get your hands off of my kids. So we got to raise up adults and people and fathers and mothers that will stand on the wall and say, you cannot come up in here. You cannot walk up in here. I will protect and cover my kids. And that is the people that God is looking for, people that will cover the next generation. I'm preaching way better than you're speaking back to me today. You can hear a rat just run across the floor, how quiet it is, right? Number one, we cover them. And number two, we lead them. We lead them. Now, when I say we lead them, it's not telling them what to do. It's leading by our example. It's living the life of faith. It is walking our lives out fully devoted, fully consecrated to Jesus. Because what I've learned in life is that more is caught than taught, true? That, I've, that the people who have marked my life and the people who have shaped my life, like that was so much more about how they lived and not just about what they said. There was people that marked me that just lived so radically that just changed my life. Like my mother, my mother is a woman of, I mean, loves Jesus woman of faith. And when we moved here from, from the States, we had nothing. We had no food. We had no, uh, no housing. And, and we lived every day by faith. And my mother taught me to pray to God about everything. Everything. There was one particular uh, moment where we had no toilet paper, no toiletries, no deodorant. And I said, Mom, there's no deodorant. I smell. I'm a growing 12-year-old boy. She said, son, let's pray about that. I said, why? It's just deodorant. Let's just go to shoppers, right? Pick it up. She said, no, let's pray about it. So she said, God, in the name of Jesus, you are Jehovah Jireh. We pray that you would provide deodorant and toilet paper in the name of Jesus. Amen. I said, oh. 
And I kid you not, a few days later, there was this random woman from our church that had on her heart said, God said something strange to me to bring you guys some toilet paper and deodorant, specifically Old Spice, because that's what your son needs. (laughs) Legit, can't even make this up. And behold, we're there eating supper, and someone brings a Walmart bag full of of toilet paper and groceries. And my mom said, son, that's what happens when you pray about everything. In that moment, I I saw what God could do. And then there's this story, which which is crazy. We had a house that had um, a wood doctor. Anybody kind of know what that is? It's a big wood stove, you had to like stoke it all the time. And that, you know, that was the thing that like heated your house. I hated it. I despised it because come rain, sleet, snow, heavy snow, ice, I was responsible for stoking the wood doctor. And there was one particular day where we ran out of wood. And it was like the dead beat of like, I think it was like uh, uh, February. I was like, mom, we have no more wood. This is serious. We're gonna grow cold. I don't know what's going on. She said, son, Let's pray about that. (laughs) I said, Mom, no, no, let's just like go to some random part in the woods in New Brunswick and just chop down some trees and take it to our house. Like, it's easy. She said, no, son, let's pray about that. And so she grabbed me and said, son, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you would provide wood. God, you are Jehovah Jireh. We believe that you are a provider of all of our needs. And so God, help us in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Within 24 hours, there came this big old tractor truck that came by, drive through and said, hey, I noticed that you had a wood doctor. And I have just the spare wood here and I thought you might need it. And what was crazy was it was 28, 28 cord of wood coming through our driveway. And my mom is just jumping like, ah, like this big black wood, right? She's going crazy, ah, going crazy. And I'm just like, what? Within 24 hours, guys, I'm not even exaggerating. Wood came into our driveway, and what was crazy was um, this truck was a, like a Ford truck, like a Ford, right? And the logo that said Ford said Lord. <laughs> I, can't even, I can't even make this up, y'all. And from that moment, my mom taught me that, man, your first response is always to God. And even to this day, I say, God, in the name of Jesus, provide for this bill. God, in the name of Jesus, provide for this. God, and I've seen over and over and over and over a God who is faithful, who will provide for my needs because I've seen the older generation, my mother, live that out. And that's what the next generation needs. They need more adults who live like they they believe in Jesus. Like they actually believe in Jesus. And that is what God is calling you and me to do, to not just tell them how to live their faith, but to actually show them how to live their faith. 
We got to cover them. We got to lead them. But we also had to lead them by our own breakthrough and by our own territory. There's a scripture in John 4, 38, it says, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. You know, like a few years ago, there was a shift in my life that recognized that the fruit in my life that I was experiencing was because the seeds that my mom has sowed. There's a shift that happens in my life that recognized that the, that the ground that I was standing on was not the ground that I fought for. And we, as the older generation, we have to live our lives gaining territory and breakthrough in our own lives. Because the, because the seed sown and the breakthrough that we get is for our kids, it's for our next generation. Like, how can we tell our kids how to stop an a, um, addiction if we're still stuck? How can we tell our girls how to not be so consumed with self-image and, and, and this and that and insecurity and fear when we're so consumed with our own selves? How can we tell the next generation, well, here's the path, just walk it out, when we have not walked it out for them? We have to lead them by gaining territory and breakthrough in our own lives. Here's what John Wesley said, who's one of our, our four uh, fathers. He says, what one generation tolerates, the next will embrace. The seeds sown is what they will reap. Like, what if, what if the things that God brought you through was so that you could tell them what God can do for you? What if the enemy, what if the enemy knew that the stuff that he tried to bring you through and take you through was not just for you, but was for your kids. And that's why the fight is so hard, and that's why it's so hard to live another day, and that's why the struggle has been so hard for you and for me, because what if God picked you to end the cycle? My gosh. What if God picked you to stop it? What if you are the first generation Christian? What if you're the first non-dysfunctional person in your family? <laughs> what if you're the first person to actually have a marriage that lasts? What if you're the first person to say, I will be porn free in Jesus' name because of my sons in Jesus' name, amen? Because you're not just made for yourself. You're just not made to live on your own. You were made for a generation. And we gotta look ahead. We gotta look ahead to what God wants to do in our kids' life. And you gotta get some breakthrough. You gotta win. You gotta fight. You gotta can't give up. You gotta work hard so that your kids and their kids and the next generation further than you can experience breakthrough and freedom. They will reap what I sow. So we cover them and we lead them. And lastly, we believe in them. 
We believe in them. See, to believe in them is not to just have well wishes or just say, hey, man, I'm for you. I believe in you. But it's to actually believe the God in them and to see something that they have yet to see in themselves. That we see what he's doing. He see what, how he's working. He, and we say, man, I believe in you. I believe in what God is doing in you. In my life, I was 17 when I had my son, Brayden. And of course, at the age of uh, uh, 14, I wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to preacher, like reach people, love people, preach the word of God. And then at 17, because of my own dysfunction and the own things in my heart that was broken, we had our son, 17. And I thought that my life was over. I thought, man, it's done. Like, I will never actually see what God wants to do. You know what? I'll just be like a plumber, right? And just show my plumber crack everywhere, right? Right? Just, just do that, right? And when that happened, I didn't actually like, approach my, like my mother, my father, no. But who I approached was my youth pastor. And I said, hey, man, I am broken. I am desperate. I'm having a son. I don't know what's next. I don't know what, what's next to happen. And he said these things that marked my life forever. He said, Bradford, are you dead? I said, boy, do I wish I was. <laughs> he said, are you dead? I was like, no. He said, then God's not done with you. And just that moment in the midst of my own failure and my own sin and my own consequences and my own hurt that someone had the boldness and the courage to say what God saw, to say what God was saying and say, Bradford, yes, I know it's wrong and yes, your life will change forever, but God is not done with you. You know why? Because I believe in you. And those words marked me, and here I am today with not just one, but not just two, not just three, not just four, not just five, but five children, all from the same woman. Can we give God a praise? You got to believe in them. There's a story about Charlie that I met. I worked at the ranch um, as a leader down in uh, Sussex, New Brunswick. And I love the bad kids, you know. Like those kids that, you know, people reject. Hey, Bradford, okay, this kid needs some work. And there was this kid named Charlie. And this was the kid that marked my life and actually gave me a heart like for youth ministry. This kid named Charlie who had thick glasses, I mean thick Lenses. I mean, he looked like Drew Carey a little bit, right? Like, I mean, his, his eyes was like big and everything. And he just, he had his shorts always down, but you know, below his bum. And he wore like these little white tank tops all the time. And he just walked like this all the time. So I was like, hey, what's up, Brad? What's up, man? What's up? And like, I mean, he was like just small too. So, so he had that like big man kind of syndrome. He was small and, and, he, and he would always be fighting kids and always be talking back to them and, and talking to leaders. And, and they're like, Bradford, you've got to talk to Charlie. Charlie is 
just going off. We don't want to, like, remove him from camp, so please do something. So me and Charlie were just hanging out throughout the week, and we're just chilling, we're vibing, and he's being bad. I said, Charlie, what's going on, bro? Like, just stop. Just stop. Like, just, like, just stop. And he's a like, Bradford, you don't understand. You don't know what's going on in my life. No, what's going on? Like, he's just going off. And there was, there was something in me, it was not profound, not prophetic, it was just simple. And I said, Charlie, you are not a bad kid. I said, Charlie, you're not a bad kid. And his eyes started to just well up. I could just see his face right now. His, his eyes started to well up and tears started to flow down his face. He said, there has never been a person that has told me that I was not a bad kid. Some adult was just speaking these things over him, so he felt that he was just going to just do it and just act up and just do this and do that and do that. And that week, he gave his life to Jesus not because of some good, gooey, ushy moment, because all it took was one adult to believe in one kid. And that's all God needs. God needs one adult, one person who believes this thing. God needs one person to speak to a kid and said, man, I believe in you. I believe that God is working on you and even if you walk away from him and even if you reject him and even if you tell, tell him off, I will not stop praying for you. I will not stop covering you. I will not stop loving you and I believe in the God in you and God will fulfill the promise on your life whether you like it or not. God will chase you down. God will hunt you down. God will pursue you. His love and mercy will pursue you all the days of your life. And that is what God is calling all of us, is to be spiritual mothers and fathers, to see what God is doing and to draw it out of them so that we can see a generation on their knees before God. See, God is the God of generations. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. See, God was always looking ahead. God was always looking about the next humanity, the next generation. And he sent Jesus for a generation, for a thousand generations, to redeem a people to himself, and that includes kids. And that's why we work so hard in youth ministry. That's why we work so hard in kids ministry. That's why we hold your babies. That's why we do it because while we're holding them, we're saying, man, you're, you will be a man of God. You will be a girl of God. You will be a woman of God. While we touch them and while we raise them up, we're saying, God bless them. And that's the call of the church. Because the most powerful thing you could ever do is not something you accomplish, <laughs> but who you empower. The most powerful thing you do is not having a, a, a like, like retirement, <laughs> having a savings. 
it's who you raise up. Because you may not be able to scroll Instagram, but you do know how to scroll the scriptures. <laughs> you may not be able to TikTok, but you do know how to lift your hands. You may not be able to know the most slang words or the hip words or the cool words, but you do know how to pray. You do know how to speak the word of God. You do know how to speak in tongues. You know how to speak God's word over them. You know how to speak and declare God's praises over them. That's us. Because here's what I believe. I believe that the revival that the next generation will see is because we sowed for it. I believe that the revival that my kids will see is because on Thursday morning I was on my knees praying against the spirit of anxiety and depression over my house. The revival this church sees is because there was adults that said, not in this house, not in this church, not my kids, not their kids, not my grandkids, not their kids. And we will declare that there will be a people of God that is for him. And this is what Psalm uh, 71 says. He says this, Psalm 71. Is it up there, friends? Psalm 71, David says this. This is like his like last dying moments. And he said this, since my youth, God, you have taught me. And to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me. Till I declare your power to the next generation. That your mighty acts to all who are come. Are you 70? He's not done with you. Are you 85? He's not done with you. God wants to use you to influence and to change and to raise up the next generation. Would you pray with me? Let's stand in this room. If you are a product of, of someone's prayer, would you raise your hand in the room? Just look around, even online. If you are a product of, you knew someone was praying for you, just raise your hand. Yeah. This is people of God marked by the people of God. Now, if you're 35 years and younger, would you raise your hand? Look at this. That's us. We need you. We need your stories. And Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you that you are the God of generations. You are a God who sees the next one. And God, your heart is for the next generation. 
And we believe from this moment you are going to activate spiritual fathers and mothers right now who will own this. And to not just believe it as true or just to walk away with our own summer plans, but to, to leave with the ownership and responsibility to say, I will raise the next generation. I will sit them down and tell them what God has done in my life. I will sit them down and tell them the prayers of my life and to tell them what you've answered and what you've done. God, do not forsake us until we have declared to the next generation that you are God. And so God, would you mark them with the blood of Jesus today? We pray against anxiety. We pray against suicide in the name of Jesus. We declare the voice of God to speak louder right now in their heads, right now. God, we remove those spirit of, of doubt and condemnation and guilt and those things that would, that would determine their worth. God, we pray that the voice of God that declares that Jesus Christ is Lord would declare to them that their worth. God, the cross declares them their worth. Jesus tells them their worth. And so we pray today. And we cover our kids. And as we help them encounter Jesus, would you keep your promise and would you help your kids to encounter Jesus more and more? Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus. And we all said amen, amen, and amen.